You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. The following episode makes brief mention of suicide and abuse. Listener discretion is advised. I just found out just now. I just got the email today from Bethel that um, they've accepted me to go to Bethel. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know how I feel right now. I'm beyond touched and blessed and excited and overjoyed and just so happy because I felt God calling me there. And just the fact that I got in out of the thousands of people that I know are going to apply. But I'm also so scared. I don't know if I'm laughing or crying right now. This is Heaven Bent. I'm Tara Jean Stevens. I sound like a crazy person. Like, if you don't know Jesus, I sound absolutely crazy. (laughs) And that's Grace, my next guest. I love you so much. <laughs> My God, that is who you are. We Episode 3, The Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, where according to its website, they invite you to embrace your royal identity, where they teach you how to become a modern-day revivalist and, quote, get equipped to bring the kingdom of God to your sphere of influence. But what does that mean? What's actually going on inside this mysterious school? And are its biggest critics even remotely right? Is BSSM in Redding, California, really just a training ground for cult followers? Grace obviously doesn't think so. She's just recently arrived in Redding from Tennessee to start the fall semester. It's early September, 2020. They do have us all, of course, wearing masks, um, which during worship is a little weird to try and sing with a mask on your face. Acknowledging its large impact on the community, Bethel says it has coordinated a safe back-to-school plan with the support of the local Shasta County Health and Human Services. They do take everyone's temperature. Um, We're spaced out, so we're not really sitting next to people, which is a little weird because, you know, you're used to being able to, like, fellowship and talk to people. The plan includes a mandatory 14-day quarantine upon arriving in the city, and you have to get a negative COVID-19 test before you set foot on campus. As I catch up with Grace for the first time, she's recently completed her 14-day quarantine, and she's just logged her first week of regular classes. Also part of the plan, Bethel will be operating at 70% capacity. So instead of, let's say, around 2,300, maybe 2,500 students, this year there will only be 1,600 through the 2020-2021 school year. Grace, of course, is one of them. Those that are standing right now, I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, come up here, right now. And just like many of her fellow students do, she's documenting her journey on her socials. This is a year of you going out to see things that you've never seen before. We just pray right now that the heavens would open over you for divine encounters while you're awake, while you're asleep. He was inviting you into a supernatural experience that goes beyond anything that you've ever experienced before. Right now, 
Open up your spirit. Receive revelation. Receive revelation. Receive revelation. There's solutions. There are answers. There are things that God's going to show you. There are going to be mysteries that are opening to you. And it starts now in Jesus' name. As all first-year students do, Grace is attending these sessions in Reading's city-owned Civic Auditorium. In 2011, Bethel struck up a deal with the city to use this huge performance venue, kind of like a permanent overflow, after they ran out of room at the main campus. At the time, the Civic was really struggling financially to stay afloat. That's when Bethel swept in with this very intriguing and years later, profitable idea. Allow them to rent the space on weekdays for $750,000 a year and let the city use that money to reinvest in the building so market all the concerts and shows they could still host on the weekends. And to sweeten the deal, Bethel also reportedly threw in at least another million for renovations, so remodeling the bathrooms and stuff like that. And on top of that, and it's really about time I mention, Bethel also provides the city and the Civic with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of free labor every year, partly through something called the City Project. For more on that, I want to briefly bring back Reading reporter Annalise Pierce. The City Project is um, a really helpful project to the city. Um, it partners with um, Department of Parks and Recreation and perhaps other aspects of local government, but primarily the Parks Department, to provide free labor to the city uh, to clean up and maintain parks and open lands around Reading. You can drive anywhere in town and see you know, groups of 20, 30 students um, at City Hall or at Enterprise Park or at various other locations around the city. And they're, you know, cleaning up waste, they're, they're raking, they're mulching, all that kind of thing. They're, there's a huge project, really, with quite a lot of um, equipment that's been bought for the city project. Um, it's a very interesting model because essentially, you know, these students are paying for the privilege to work for the city of Reading for free. Um, and, and Bethel Church essentially um, reaps the benefit of that, which is very goodwill with the city. Volunteering your time to the city, they call it city service, is a general requirement of BSSM students. But it looks like, from a document I found online, looks like it can be provided in different ways. So not just landscaping. So it could be serving breakfast to the homeless, mentoring foster kids who are about to age out of the system, or even reading to the kids at the city library. Grace, our first-year student, she'll be taking part. City service encompasses um, different service projects that we get to sign up for, um, where you can pick a project that we feel uh, passionate about, and then Thursdays are the day for that. At 28 years old, Grace has put her career as a nurse on hold back in Tennessee to attend BSSM. I was born and raised in Maryland, um, but I moved to Tennessee uh, for college. Ended up really liking it there, Southern hospitality and all that. <laughs> so I end up staying. She doesn't know how long she'll live in Reading or if she'll complete the one, two, or three-year program. But for now, Reading is home. Well, I'm actually super surprised that there's not more like raging fires happening. I, I fully expected like to, dr coming from Tennessee, that there would be like literal like wildfires like on the side of the road. So I was very happy to, to realize that Reading is actually not like, uh, in the middle of any severe fires. Grace has arrived in California not only during a pandemic, but during the state's largest wildfire season in modern history. The sky has been a little hazy and smoky, but nothing too terrible. Um, but other than that, like the area is super beautiful. 
Um, there's lots of parks. There's the Sacramento River, a lot of outdoor things to do. Um, very dog friendly, which is great because I have two of my two dogs of my own. Two dogs and a cat, actually, all of which made the trip to Reading with her and who make frequent appearances on her YouTube channel. The old Grace is dead. So I'm at my third day at BSSM and we're all here together in main session. And uh, the, the speaker, um, we were really just entering in a time of worship and prayer and he just started praying over all the students, um, praying that they would receive the Holy Spirit and that they would um, encounter him and that, um, and that we would just receive more and more uh, understanding and revelation of his goodness and his character and his heart. And like all around me, students are like starting to break out in tears and start crying and wailing. Some are screaming out Jesus. Some are, you know, sinking to their knees, falling to the floor. Some are, you know, start laughing uh, with joy. And it's, it's kind of new and, uh, if I'm honest, uncomfortable for me to witness this kind of thing. I'm more reserved publicly, more of an introvert. I don't really like to uh, really express my emotions outwardly. And so, like, seeing all this made me a little bit uncomfortable and slightly suspicious, if I'm being honest, because, I mean, I grew up super conservative and, like, that's not sort of something we really do in my church. Like, you know, we talk a lot about Jesus and the Father, but not a ton about the Holy Spirit. But it's kind of like, kind of scary, kind of mysterious. Don't really understand that too well. So, um, anyways, then we have unlike the majority of BSSM students, Grace did not grow up in a charismatic church. Exactly the opposite, actually. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, the denomination called the Seventh Day Adventists. Seventh Day Adventist is pretty much a Protestant, so Christian, denomination that most notably marks the Sabbath on Saturday instead of Sunday. It's very traditional and nothing like Bethel. Yeah, it pretty much is exactly the opposite. So um, very different. Uh, I mean, we believe in the Holy Spirit and, you know, the Trinity, but we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit as much as far as like, um, you know, seeing him kind of work in people's lives in a physical way, kind of like the manifestations that are more common in a charismatic environment. Um, you know, it's more conservative, more reserved. Worship looks very different, that sort of thing. So how does a Seventh-day Adventist wind up at a school of supernatural ministry? Um, I've always been very sincere in my faith all my life. It's always mattered a tremendous deal to me. And I've always felt like there was just something missing. Um, like the people in the church, there's a lot of nice people, but there didn't seem to be a lot of uh, a lot of life, if that makes sense. Um, you know, people talking about, you know, being saved, but then, you know, their lives not really looking too much different than people that, you know, live in the world, so to speak. And coming from a more conservative church, Grace's decision to attend BSSM has not been well received by quite a few people in her life. First of all, most of these people only did a Google search of Bethel, right? They didn't actually go. Whereas I had actually been here and came and visited the place and I knew like that wasn't the case, right? Before she ever applied to BSSM, like a lot of potential future students do, Grace planned a trip to Reading to visit Bethel, a sort of spiritual vacation. And when I came and visited for the first time, I just felt God talked to me more than he ever has before, like encountering him in ways that I've never experienced. Um, and so while I was here um, in December um, of 2019, I 
just on the spur of the moment decided to apply. Like I, I didn't really think about what that would entail or like how that would affect my life, <laughs> you know, if I got accepted. The application process, from what I'm hearing, can carry on for months and students are properly vetted. They did ask a lot of personal questions about like what, um, you know, if you have any addictions, if you've ever been involved, you know, with drugs or drinking or like what you're, you know, if you're living, you know, in sexual sin or whatever, Um, not because they're just trying to be nosy, but because they want to know where you are. BSSM is very clear on its website that the school is not a place for recovery from drugs, from alcohol, whatever. Bethel has Sozo for that. Sozo is the healing and deliverance wing of Bethel Church, where you can get support from a team of licensed ministers, each of whom has their own, you know, special area of focus. So things like trauma release, mental health and addictions, and even occult forces like demon possession. It was at Sozo where a Bethel counselor wondered whether my guest this season, Robert, whether he had been cursed by a lesbian witch. They told him that's maybe why he was struggling to find a job when he first moved to Reading back in 2002. Like I said before, I was just in shock, but it was kind of like part of my brain was accepting the fact that this had to be true. Robert's back to share more about his experience as a student and how he reflects on that time today, starting with the fact that when he first arrived in Reading to start school, he really had no idea what he was getting into. I had no idea what it was. I just thought it was like a group of Christians, and for some reason, they had an emphasis on doing things supernatural. I just thought the supernatural meant paranormal. Like, I thought it had something to do with ghosts, to be honest. So I was just kind of, like, excited about that. And I was like, well, that seems like a crazy place. That might be fun. When my pastor told me about it and he said, you you could go here, we'll pay for all of it. And some money was given to them to pay for like my whole first year there. So I was like, well, it's free to me. I might as well go. And so when I got there, what I saw was a room full of people speaking in tongues and rolling on the ground laughing. And it just seemed like a big party in a room. And it was like hours later when I found out that this was like a service and all these people were like potential school of ministry um, students that were about to start the same year I was starting. So I had, I was completely in shock. Um, I remember telling myself like, if this is true, you're just gonna have to accept it. Like if, if, you know, your other option is to leave and then go back to what you were doing before. So I kind of just like went with it and went with the flow and it was really crazy. What did an average day at BSSM look like compared, let's say, I imagine, you know, a university education or a college, you know, you go to a community college. Is there any comparison there? No. <laughs> uh, they they would like there to be. They always talked about. Um, there is a local university that's not that far from uh, the school called Simpson University, and they had always sought accreditation through Simpson. Like, so there was. They always kind of wanted that, but the way the class was set up was pretty chaotic. Um, 
cause I had, I, before that I had done like a year of college. Um, and so I came from like, kind of like a college class context. So I knew like, okay, this is a class, you know, and I sat down and, but it was just like, they'd bring in the, the leaders who led the school. They were kind of like the administrative teachers, uh, basically. And then you had the speakers who were, you know, Bill Johnson or Chris Valentin or whoever was on staff, they'd have different people come and speak to us. And sometimes that could last anywhere from like 45 minutes to like three hours. And sometimes they would do different things, different exercises with us, like whether it was what they called like soaking or practicing the presence of God or different things. And that might lead to a very chaotic time of like laughing for an hour or people speaking in tongues randomly. I asked the same question to Grace. In the fall of 2020, nearly two decades after Robert attended, what's an average day at BSSM look like for her? Every day looks a little bit different. Um, We typically start in the morning around 11 with the main session um, where everyone gets together and we do worship. And, you know, a speaker like maybe Bill Johnson or Chris Vallison will come and speak to us. Um, and then we have a little bit of a break, um, about maybe like a 30 minute break. And then we um, finish up the rest of the, the afternoon with another speaker or another Bible lesson. On Wednesdays, what we have is called revival groups. I mentioned like the smaller group of students. There's about, you know, 50 students or so in a revival group. Grace tells me that she has yet to meet up with her revival group because her group pastor is still in quarantine. It's been interesting to say the least. Life was, of course, a lot simpler during Robert's first year. And he says one of the standout things he remembers is the teachers and leaders openly confirming there was an effort being made to dismantle everything the students had been previously taught. So they can like almost like reteach you Christianity. And it's about making you like a soldier, like not like war, like being dangerous or anything, but just kind of like you're here to perform miracles, heal people, do do the things that Jesus did when he was alive. Um, and that is what your life's supposed to be about. So we're going to teach you the ideology behind that and how to do it and make you do it, basically. And one of the main Bethel ideologies that they hammer home at BSSM is the Seven Mountains Mandate or something I've seen called the seven spheres of influence. It's about taking over every sphere of society and becoming influencers and leaders in those spheres. You have uh, school, government, everything you can think of, family. The seven mountains, or spheres, are religion, family, education, government, media, and arts and entertainment. And at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, they're on a mission to, quote, equip and deploy revivalists who passionately pursue worldwide transformation in their God-given sphere of influence. And they had times in school where they would actually ask us, what sphere do you feel called to? And how can we help you become an influencer or a leader in that sphere? I just said church because I was like, I didn't really like think that I was, I don't know. I I was just kind of like, well, I'm already at church. I have fun at church. So, you know, I'll be here. But there's other people. There was one girl in my class who said she felt called to government. 
And somehow or another, within a matter of weeks, she got an internship with the mayor of Reading. More heaven bent after this quick message. As Robert tells me more about the seven spheres of influence, and again, they are religion, education, government, media, arts and entertainment, and family, the conversation eventually turns to his family. There was one time they mentioned something about my dad, and I didn't have a really great relationship with my dad. Um, but it got way better as soon as I wasn't at the church. And the whole reason my relationship was bad was because they hated that I was there. You know, they thought they've talked to me since then. And there's so many times that they wanted to like call the police and get them involved because I just wasn't speaking to my family or my friends. Well, when you bring up stories like that, I mean, that's when people start to say this is a cult. What do you think about, you know, people who say Bethel is a cult? I'm one of those people. (laughs) I say that all the time. Um, But even other churches, you know, Bethel doesn't really compare. It's not a normal Christian church. Um, Even if you compare it to other charismatic churches, it's not a normal charismatic church. A normal church doesn't lay on people's graves. A normal church doesn't park outside of morgues hoping to pray for dead people. These are not like normal church things. That's cult behavior. For sure. You know, there are things that they do that are very bizarre, very manipulative, and very dangerous. And so, to me, they fit all the criteria of cults. So, what are the criteria of cults? Let's bash this out a bit. To start, according to the Oxford Dictionary, a cult is a group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. But according to Janja Lalich, she's a professor of sociology at California State University and an expert in cults, her definition is a bit broader. It's a sharply bounded social group or a diffusely bounded movement that is held together through a shared commitment to a charismatic leader. It upholds a transcendent belief system that includes a call for personal transformation. And it also requires a high level of personal commitment from its members in words and deeds. And also warning signs of a cult that have come across, and there's a lot of blogs about this. Your group has a revered leader that tells you what to do and not to do. Your group has the answers while nobody else does. And another big warning sign of a cult is that you, your leaders, your fellow members, you all have to actively defend and deny that your group is a cult. Now, when they would talk about cults, which was not very often, but the definition has always changed. It always, instead of listing all the universally known factors and characteristics of cults, they would just say, you're only a cult if you don't worship Jesus. And how about Grace, a newcomer, a first year student at BSSM? How is she reacting to all the cult accusations? I can't tell you the amount of people that have like reached out to me and expressed their concern and saying I I shouldn't go and that Bill Johnson's a false prophet, that Chris Valentin's a a false prophet, you know, that, you know, it's demonic and that the signs and wonders there aren't of the Lord, but they're of Satan and all this stuff. And I'm like, one of the things that I felt God tell me is that if I want the peace that surpasses understanding, sometimes you have to give up the right to always understand. So um, that's, kind of like where I'm at with with it because I know that there are a lot of people that 
uh, don't understand what's going on. And, you know, that's human nature to kind of attack um, and be suspicious of what we don't understand. And just the fact that the fact that there's a lot of hate towards this place tells me that there's something special going on because the devil doesn't, you know, leave unopposed things that are like working hard for God's kingdom. Grace has agreed to check in with me again later in the school year, and I hope to have that update for you in a future episode. I think it'll be neat to hear about any new insights she has on the other side of her first term. Right now, though, during this initial conversation, Bethel is still very new to her. But she did share with me a really intimate story about how she's been aware of a supernatural work in her life since she was a teenager. Oh, man. Um... Well, I have been through um, many hard things in my life, and I know everyone's had their own personal, you know, struggles. Um, but I've I've been through some some pretty intense things that the only way I was able to get through them was from like divine intervention. And for Grace, the best example of this, she says, was back when she was in high school. I had something happen to me where I got into a uh, kind of a. I'm not sure how to explain it. A People would say it was abusive. Grace got into an entanglement with an older man, her teacher. I ended up getting pregnant from my relationship with him, which was, you know, while I was in school. And so he was my teacher. And it was really hard to know, like, how to say no, because, you know, you're used to having to, like, you know, listen to what your teacher says and raise your hand and ask for permission to go to the bathroom and that sort of thing. I ended up getting really, really depressed um, because, you know, the teacher didn't want me to keep the baby. So he forced me to have an abortion. And I've always grown up being, you know, believing that, you know, babies are valuable and that, you know, it's murder to kill babies and that, you know, a person is a person at conception. Um, You know, a lot of people have different beliefs about, you know, abortion, but that was what I grew up believing. And I sincerely believe that. And so I felt like, you know, that I had, that I had allowed that to happen, to go through with the abortion, that I had like gone against my beliefs and that there was no way that God could ever, you know, love me and that he was disappointed in me and that I had let him down and that like I could, I had, I felt like I had committed like the unpardonable sin. And so I spiraled into this huge depression. Um, Like I was like literally just laying in bed for like months and I lost like 15 pounds from being depressed because I couldn't eat. Um, And all of that. She was depressed suicidal, and truly heartbroken. But all of that changed the following Valentine's Day. After all of that had gone on with the teacher, um, I was really sad because, you know, I was alone on Valentine's Day and it was supposed to be a day of love and I was just feeling depressed. Um, I got a package in the mail um, and it was a little teddy bear. And with the teddy bear had a little note and the note said, um, Grace, you are my precious princess. I have watched you grow up every day of your life with pride. Um, I will always love you. And it was signed, Love Prince Jesus. And for for like a good, you know, 10 minutes or so, I just stared at it. And I was like, okay, my first thought was, okay, someone else must have sent this because God doesn't do stuff like that. You know, I believe the Bible that he was able to part the Red Sea, you know, and create the world and, you know, heal the lame and the sick, but like, there's no way he could send me you know, a teddy bear and a a note on Valentine's day. And so I asked like everyone I knew about it, like if they had sent it and no one knew what I was talking about, you know, but that, so that planted a seed in my, in my heart. Like, what if, like, what if this really is from God? And what if this really is his heart towards me? 
And it's moments like this. A mysterious teddy bear showing up on her doorstep. Moments like this that have, over time, led Grace to Reading. Making up songs for Jesus while she walks her dogs along the Sacramento River. I want to see you move, get into heaven's groove, by seeing how you move. Show me who you are, not who I think you should be. And open up your heart like flower petals just for me. There was a moment where, like, I knew that God was asking me to um, let this go and trust him. And when I did, like, all of my depression, like, went away in an instant. Like, I had just received a prescription to start taking antidepressant drugs. And that was, like, what I had set my hope on to set me free from this, like, absolute despair. And I was just about to go fill my prescription when, like, God took away and lifted that depression off of me, like, for good. And it was gone in an instant. And there was no way that could have happened without him. Next time on Heaven Bent. Bethel is known for being the kind of church where people are operating in supernatural gifts. If anyone um, is someone to reach out for healing, they're the ones. Migraine headaches, you are forbidden to return. Arthritis, you will not steal from the people of God any longer. I really was on the floor convulsing. I was dancing in the fronts of the aisles. Don't stop yet. Don't stop yet. There is emotion in, in those services. And uh, you feel like you're part of something really big. 